Welcome back to Unknown Friends, my weekly book review podcast, with episodes coming out first thing every Wednesday morning. I'm Rochelle Ferguson of Kitty Wham Productions, and you're listening to episode 11. Today's book is one that I have been looking forward to reviewing ever since I finished reading it several weeks ago. It is Leif Enger's novel, Peace Like a River, published in 2001. At the end of last week's episode, I already told you how highly I recommend the book, and I really do hope everyone reads it. I first started reading Peace Like a River tentatively because I hadn't heard about it from a friend or anyone I knew personally. I had just seen it in a list of recommended books uh, someone had compiled, and it sounded interesting enough that I thought I'd give it a try, and now I am so thankful I did. Honestly, when we get to the end of this year, I have a hard time imagining myself looking back over everything I read in 2020 and not considering this book to be one of the very best I encountered all year. Um, it's certainly a novel I plan to reread multiple times, both to understand it more and just to enjoy it again. So I've, I've called it unique, and I want to try to explain what I mean by that. What do you think of when someone mentions Christian fiction? I don't know. The most influential Christian fiction in my personal experience has been C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, uh, Chesterton, George MacDonald, those older writers who especially pioneered fantasy and science fiction. Or maybe you think of contemporary works like, I don't know, the Left Behind books or uh, Ted Decker or something, or maybe Christian romance, which seems to be the overwhelming genre in most Christian bookstores, um, and which personally I never read. Or finally, there is the rare modern work of openly Christian literary fiction, like Gilead, which I reviewed two weeks ago, or like Peace Like a River. So Leif Enger writes with unabashed Christianity, and yet I don't think he ever comes across as preachy or dogmatic or predictable or sentimental or any of the negative stereotypes that surround a lot of contemporary Christian fiction. His writing is sensitive, but it's fearless. And this is what's so intriguing. Just like Gilead, Peace Like a River is praised and awarded in the secular community. It was a New York Times bestseller, an LA Times bestseller, and Time Magazine named it one of the top five books of the year in 2001 when it was published. And yet, it's so wonderfully Christian. That's what amazes me. I mean, we're talking countless biblical allusions, uh, miracles, characters with devout faith in God, uh, one church service depicted in an early chapter uh, with speaking in tongues, um, and one character being slain in the spirit, and just lots and lots of prayer. Uh, so, in this regard, the fact that Christianity is openly portrayed and yet the book is secularly accepted, Peace Like a River is similar to Gilead. And yet, I 
I would venture to say that it is bolder than Gilead. While Marilyn Robinson's Gilead does ask hard questions and strongly affirms faith in God, Peace Like a River, I would argue, stretches your faith a little farther. Perhaps you could say it engages life more actively than Gilead. So Gilead is the journal of of an older man reflecting on his, in many ways, quiet, unobtrusive, faithful life, which certainly has its merits. But Peace Like a River doesn't just reflect on life and ask questions. It is sort of, it physically wrestles questions to the ground. I don't know, that's kind of a weird analogy. But um, consider this, Leifenger's writing is deeply rooted in the stories of the Bible, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well. And so it shares a little of the the wildness and wonder of those stories. Gilead explores God as our father, but Peace Like a River explores God as father, as spirit, as master, uh, as hero, and as guide in the wilderness. There's just a fearsome, untamed quality to Peace Like a River, which I'm not sure I've ever seen in contemporary Christian fiction. It's somewhat akin to Lewis or Chesterton, I suppose, but in a different genre. Peace Like a River has more in common with Western fiction, actually, than any other genre I can think of. But I am already getting way ahead of myself. Let me quickly share a little bit about this author, Leif Enger. He's an American writer, born in 1961 in Minnesota, where he still lives with his wife. They raised two sons, and he has written three novels. Actually, his brother is also a fiction writer, and together the two of them did write some mystery novels in the 90s under a pen name. But officially, as Leif Enger, he's written three novels, starting with Peace Like a River in 2001, which he wrote over several years, essentially just for fun, for his family. And then it took him by surprise when it was published and became a bestseller and launched his writing career. So now, what is the basic premise of this book? It's about a family living in Minnesota, no coincidence there, the Land family, Father Jeremiah Land and his three children, Davy, Reuben, and Swede. This is not a perfect family, evidenced by the very fact that there's no mother in the picture presently, though why she's no longer around is never explained in much detail. But the father, Jeremiah Land, is probably one of the best men and best fathers I have ever seen represented in fiction. He is the solid rock that the Land family is founded on. He's truly extraordinary. Now, the narrator of Peace Like a River is the middle Land child, Reuben, who is 11 during the events of the story, though he's narrating it in retrospect as an adult. His older brother, Davy, is uh, 16, I think, or 17, and their precocious little sister, Swede, is nine. So we start to get to know the family in the book's early chapters, and the characters really are 
some of the loveliest aspects of this book. Jeremiah Land, I already mentioned, and then uh, Swede, Reuben's sister, is so delightful. She's intelligent and plucky and vulnerable and opinionated all in one, and she tries hard to be the woman of the household at just nine years old. She also loves to read and to write, especially Westerns, and so her cowboy poetry about a hero called Sunny Sundown and his nemesis Valdez continually surfaces throughout the story, almost like a running commentary on the actual plot of the novel. And then there's Reuben, our narrator. He is severely asthmatic, and that in some ways frames the whole story. When he was born, for 12 minutes, he could not breathe. His lungs just would not function. And this is how the book opens, and this is where you get the first glimpse of who his father is. Jeremiah Land is a man who trusts God and earnestly tries to follow his leading. And while he's compassionate and can be gentle, he is a bit like an Old Testament man of faith in that he is also protective and does not hesitate in moments when action is required. So Reuben is born without a good pair of lungs. The doctor does what he can, but ends up saying nothing can be done. And so he's trying to comfort Reuben's parents when Jeremiah Land literally punches the doctor, turns to his baby boy and says, Reuben Land, in the name of the living God, I am telling you to breathe. And the boy breathes. Now, interestingly, Reuben does not grow up with perfect lungs. Like I said, he's severely asthmatic. And this is something he struggles with daily. But he lives. And the story of what happened at his birth impresses on Reuben the reality of miracles, though not necessarily miracles as we often use the word. I'll let the book itself explain what it means by miracles, but if you read it, don't assume anything. (laughs) Sometimes I think summaries of Peace Like a River describe Reuben's father as a miracle worker, and that is totally wrong, in my opinion. Yes, the miracles Reuben observes are usually connected with his father, but it's not that his father prays and makes things happen or something. No, Jeremiah Land is not in charge of the miracles his son witnesses. It's fascinating how Leif Enger shows the different miracles play out. But I'm getting ahead of myself again. So the book opens, we meet the Land family and get a glimpse of a few of the miracles Reuben witnesses. But soon we learn of some tension that's simmering in the family and in the community. So a couple of local bullies, well, worse than bullies, really. They have tried to assault a high school girl, and Jeremiah Land was there at the right moment to protect her. But the bullies uh, named Israel and Tommy now have it out for the Land family. And while Jeremiah chooses not to worry about what they might do because he trusts God, his oldest son, Davy, is less certain that 
everything that should be done has been done to put the bullies in their place. So the situation is thorny and full of nuances which are impossible to communicate briefly. And I also don't want to spoil the plot for you. So suffice it to say, violence occurs, things get complicated, and in the end, Davy is charged with murder and flees town as an outlaw. Ultimately, his father and two younger siblings follow in their little Airstream trailer, in one sense looking for Davy, in another sense looking for they're not sure what. And what they find is so different and so beyond what they could have imagined. Like I said, this is Christian fiction, unlike any Christian fiction I have ever read. It draws from the genre of westerns, but it's not a western. You you hear notes of the King James Bible slipping into Enger's narrative, and it's not forced, that's the key. Uh, Leif Enger is not trying to sound King Jamesy at all. He's just internalized biblical stories and language. He sounds to me like someone who was raised reading the King James and Zane Grey, and those are just part of his vocabulary now, verbal and mental, his way of perceiving the world and of talking about it. Just consider this quotation. Be careful whom you choose to hate. The small and the vulnerable own a protection great enough, if you could but see it, to melt you into jelly. Beware those who reside beneath the shadow of the wings. Isn't that a, a funny blend? You hear traces of, of the Bible in Enger's writing, you know, beneath the shadow of the wings. And yet there's this sort of folksy, uh, earthy, visceral quality to it as well. A protection great enough to melt you into jelly. And somehow the combination works. Listen to this uh, short paragraph from the book's first chapter when Reuben is starting to explain what he means by miracles. He writes, Real miracles bother people, like strange sudden pains unknown in medical literature. It's true, they rebut every rule all we good citizens take comfort in. Lazarus obeying orders and climbing up out of the grave? Now there's a miracle, and you can bet it upset a lot of folks who were standing around at the time. When a person dies, the earth is generally unwilling to cough him back up. A miracle contradicts the will of earth. I just think that's intriguing, both his style and the ideas he's communicating. So you get hints of Western fiction, as well as this King James-like sound, sometimes enriching his style. You even hear echoes of hymns sometimes. I mean, the book's title, Peace Like a River, comes from the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. But the story also emerges from literally an ancient literary and artistic tradition. I mean, you, you find signs of everything from Homer and Dante to like Robert Louis Stevenson. There's there's this lovely sentence you find uh, later in the book describing uh, a character the Land family meets on their journey. I just have to share this. She, all French braided, scarf unslung, 
resembled an opportunity missed by Rembrandt. Isn't that cool? I think that's delightful. And it's not that she resembles a Rembrandt painting, but an opportunity missed by Rembrandt, which is just the perfect way to describe uh, the humility of her beauty. Honestly, I just want to read quotations from this book for the whole episode. There are just so many gems in Leif Enger's disarming style. But let me discuss some themes before we wrap up. I've emphasized how Christian this book is without being preachy, and I have huge respect for that. And I think it's incredible how much of a foothold the book has gotten with non-Christian readers. In my opinion, Leif Enger is well aware he's not writing what he's, you know, quote-unquote, supposed to write in the 21st century. And he's aware that he'll receive some criticism for it. But he writes what he believes and what he lives. And ironically, that makes him successful even with a majority of the secular world. Get this. At the end of the book, Reuben writes that his sister Swede grew up to become a writer, uh, both a poet and novelist, and kind of an old-fashioned writer. Reuben is, is delighted because all her poetry rhymes, and he insists that poetry should rhyme. And listen to this quotation. He says that Swede's reviewers could only gape. One wrote that Swede was setting verse back a century, and mining ground long ago found barren. He called the book a blazing song of innocence. I, uh, I suppose skeptics would consider it a, a conclusive criticism to call something published in the 21st century a blazing song of innocence, but I love that, and I think, and I believe Leif Enger thinks, that's the perfect description. I'm calling this episode A Blazing Song of Innocence because I think that's a wonderful way to describe not only the imagined writing of the character Swede, but also the book Peace Like a River itself. It proclaims innocence and righteousness, but not timidly, powerfully. And that, more than anything else, is what draws me to this story. But I suppose I still haven't really gotten to its themes. As you can guess, family is an important theme, and justice, loyalty, uh, self-sacrifice, and healing, the working of miracles. But I think more central than any other is probably the question, what does trust in God look like? How and where does faith lead you? Reuben's father, Jeremiah, is a vivid character, even though he doesn't necessarily speak a lot. His choices tell you who he is, and he is a man who walks by faith. As a young man, something rather strange happened to him that brought him into close uh, friendship with God, and at that time, he left the career path he was on and decided to become a janitor instead. Why? It was what he needed to do. And throughout the story, Jeremiah is a model for his children of seeking God's will, not always knowing it or understanding it, but continually seeking and surrendering to God's will. 
But it's not easy walking by faith. By nature, we long to know, to to take things into our own hands, to know what we're doing, where we're going, to be in control. Consider this. Yes, another quotation from the book. Reuben writes, Once traveling, it's remarkable how quickly faith erodes. It starts to look like something else. Ignorance, for example. Same thing happened to the Israelites. Sure, it's weak, but sometimes you'd rather just have a map. That's insightful. But God doesn't lead us with a map, and peace like a river makes that uh, uncomfortably clear. Jeremiah, Reuben, and Swede, they set out looking for Davy, but they don't know where to look or how, and truth be told, they're looking for more than just Davy, and don't even realize it. And their faith, which, as Reuben says, can feel like ignorance, it's hard to maintain. But Jeremiah Land maintains his, and that's what holds the family together. And though they don't know what they're looking for, God knows exactly what they need, and he makes sure that they find it. You know, often even a well-written, compelling book will tend to lose its spell a little while after you finish reading it, but this book has just continued to grow on me. I started it, I honestly wasn't sure what to think, but I read it through, finished it, and afterward I felt almost dazed at first as I tried to figure out what I had just read. It was good, it it was beautiful, but it was so unlike anything else I've ever read, I, I just wasn't sure what to make of it. But the longer I've been able to process it, the more I love it. Ironically, it's a story about living life without a map, so that it's only after the journey that you can then look back and understand the road you've taken. And that's exactly what my experience reading the book was like. I couldn't fully understand it until I'd finished it and was then able to reflect and and piece together the book's elements, comprehend its style, its plot, its characters and themes, why it was written the way it was. And I just keep understanding it better and appreciating it more the more I think about it, even though it's now been, I don't know, maybe two months since I finished it. That's a special kind of story that has such depth and can keep permeating you more deeply even after you've closed the book and physically set it aside. I I want to close with one more quotation, um, but not from Peace Like a River itself. I happened across a short article written several years ago by John Piper recommending the book after he had just read it for the first time. He concludes his article with this. What do I make of it? Wrong question. What is it making of me? More alive to everything true, I hope. More steady in the wind. More hopeful. Less anxious. Eager for Christ to show up. I have already been recommending this book personally to friends, and several have read it and said they loved it too, so please take our recommendation and give this book a try. If you do read it, please let me know what you think of it. 
If you can't tell, discussing books is one of my very favorite things to do. And, you know, it's fun for me to sit here and talk about books on my podcast, but it's even more fun to converse with someone else about a book and exchange thoughts. So please read this book and then feel free to message me on Facebook or Instagram, and I would be delighted to hear your take on it. Thank you for listening to Unknown Friends episode 11. Next week on the podcast, I plan to review Edith Wharton's novel, The House of Mirth from 1905. Quite different from Peace Like a River, but with its own unique merits. So I hope you join me then for episode 12 and have a great week in the meantime. <laughs>